What is up, you guys? Welcome to the Life Like a Movie podcast. Today's guest is hilarious. He is a guy from the UK, and oh my god, this, this dude just makes me laugh just the way he talks. Uh, the accent's definitely a factor, but no, so, he, so he's on today to talk about alcohol addiction because he struggled with this immensely, and as some of us may know, it's a lifelong thing. It's not, it's not something that you just get over, you know, one day you're completely changed. And so he talks about the struggle that he's had and how he's been trying to help other people overcome their addiction to alcohol. And um, I think we get a glimpse glimpse in this episode to addiction in in general, but more specifically alcohol. So without further ado, let's dive right into Gary's story and see what he has to say. Alrighty, awesome. Where are you you from, by the way? Are you you in the the UK? You're in London? Yeah, it's not London. Okay. Yeah, just why it's London. Oh yeah, I'm over in uh, in BC, Canada. I was going to ask you where you're from. I was going to ask you. I nearly moved to um. I nearly had a chance to move to Vancouver early last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd like to have done it. You know, I'd like to. I like. I've never been to America. I love go to America. No kidding. Oh, I no, love that. Man. Very never nice. Been. That's awesome. Uh, well, I I appreciate what you're what you're about. Like just. Just like the, the the principle of recovering from some suffering and then using that darkness to create a light into the world by helping others. I think that's just yeah, a beautiful thing to do, man. Um, so it's got to be done. Friend. It's got to be done. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, a lot of us need it, right? I know I did for certain things. So, um, everyone, everyone, you know, no one's original. You know, everyone gets help from somewhere, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah. And we've all got a few loose connections as well, definitely. Hmm. So, could you start by sharing like your your experience with addiction, um, and like you know, just like the whole thing, man? Like, because it's crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um. Well, basically, my thing was alcohol. Um. I mean, it's it's where to begin, really, with someone. Oh God, it's, it's um. There's a lot happened. It's a it's a a big leading up event until you reach the point of this. Just utter, utter madness. I mean, it's insane. Basically, um, I, I, my, my my backstory really is I was a musician, a touring musician. I was a blues guitar player. Oh, yeah? Played in, yeah, I played in rock bands. And um, so I was always around kind of drink and also drugs as well. Drugs were involved as well. But really, it was alcohol. Um, I remember as a kid having my first ever drink, and that was pretty, that was pretty defining for me. Oh, yeah? And, yeah, yeah, I remember Christmas Day, I can't remember what age it was, but I remember having a glass of champagne, I was really young, and yeah. it really warmed me up, and I, that, that just stayed with me, just stay with me. No kidding, that's so that's yeah. interesting, just one one drink at that young of an age, so that leads me yeah. to an interesting question, I'm not sure how much you know about this, but how much of addiction, say like for alcohol, because I have alcoholics in my family as well, and I can kind of see some addictive tendencies I have, an, an addictive personality, like I can yeah. see how I could get addicted to something, um, and I've been somewhat like mildly addicted, let's say to other things, but um, how much of addiction do you think is hereditary, and how much do you think is like in our control? Well, this is the big question, this is the big question. First things first though, everyone they reckon has got about five major addictions, not necessarily bad things. Like my other ones, like arguments say, I'm I'm addicted to salt. I have to have salt on everything I eat. I love salt. That's an addiction. <laughs> it's damaging, but it's not as damaging as say maybe sugar and alcohol and drugs. Um, whether where where addiction comes from though, this is like the big debate that everyone argues about. Yeah. Personally, for me, because like when basically when you when you 
for some people, when you get off, like what, when you're an addict, you get off it, you kind of, it's like someone who gets cancer. But we've got a friend that she thankfully recovered. Really? And um, yeah, my dog just gone mad. Um, yeah. She's recovered, but she almost become like a um, a student of a disease or a, of of what was causing her cancer. And it's also the same thing with with addictions. What happened to me? So I kind of become a student of it. Really read into it, and for a long time, I always I always ventured on the side of it being a learned behaviour. I yeah, believe yeah. I learned. As I went along, it got a, a slow progression. But um, having said that, because I'm writing my new book, I'm writing a book at the moment, and one of the questions I have to look at is whether it whether it's a learned behaviour or if it's inherited in as like the same genes. And I think, tell the truth, now with what I know, I think it's a touch of both. A I think certainly a touch of both. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I reckon. Yeah. It's a bit of fun on there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. It, it's it's so tough to know. I I've talked to some psychologists about this and about like cool. how much of uh, depression and anxiety is hereditary, and so it seems to vary from person to person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get that, but I think it, it would make sense that there's a touch of both. That just kind of rings true. Everything about it. Yeah, I think I think the depression and the anxiety thing definitely inherited. Um. I also don't think, I think that is really, gets really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In today's society, I mean, everyone's anxious nowadays, isn't they? Blimey, everyone's anxious. Yeah. And, um, but interestingly, before when, before I got off the alcohol, I was never depressed or anxious. When I got off the alcohol, that's what really knocked me about. Really? As far as bad. depression and anxiety? Yeah, really, bad. really That's so really interesting. Bad. Okay, if so any- Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, if anything, that's been the hardest part of getting off. Was the hardest part was the having to deal with. So I didn't know the because they call it um, post uh, acute withdrawal. And so, like, if you get off the alcohol, then you have say a couple of weeks where you kind of just thawing out and you're just getting your liquids back in. And I yeah. thought that, and then it'd be a case of just get, like getting over the, the cravings or the triggers. That's only half the battle, man. That's half the battle. Because then I got hit big time with depression. It's because all the neurotransmitters in your mind are so screwed up. Because you overuse them, basically. And then, because every time you take a drink, you're getting extra neurotransmitters released. Your body and your brain get used to that. And then when you stop drinking, they're still releasing all these all these extra neurotransmitters. And, and literally, you feel like you're going insane. There was days when I was at work and I couldn't get out of my van. I, was, I, was, I, was, I just couldn't move. I was, I was so... I was just battered from it. Uh, mm-hmm. Depression was awful, really bad, really bad. And you know, I, I didn't have it bad like some people neither. That was just a, that was a, that was a, a tame depression. It wasn't chronic or anything like that. Thankfully, touch wood. Yeah, um, tough though. But I, if you you say you reckon you in your genes you could have something. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, my um, like, because it's still going on. It's a bit of a touchy subject for me, but um. You don't know whether to ask or not. I remember you saying something. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. I, I, I'm totally comfortable talking about it. It's just like if somebody in my family were to be listening to this podcast, like I don't, I don't know, like what they think about me talking about it. So okay. I'm just gonna say, yeah, yeah. So I'm just gonna say, um, no, I, I want to bring it up a little bit though. So, uh-huh. um, um, so yeah, so there's somebody in my family 
whose father was an alcoholic severely like he killed himself at like 50 because he was an alcoholic very abusive all that stuff and then now because of that this person is an alcoholic and um and so then i know i've seen it myself because i i take you know i take after this person in some ways i can see and so for me uh and i've seen this like throughout high school and i was really into the booze and drinking and all or and um drugs and and all that um and for me, actually, I developed an eating disorder. And so there is some sort of food addiction in there. And I can see and I, and I can see some very dysfunctional thought patterns and behaviors of like complete are you, irrationality. Are you, are you obsessive compulsive? Do you do one thing but really go for it? Like really yeah, go for it? I'm very all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm the same as well. So argument's sake, when I was when I was a guitar player, I was when I first started, I was really bad. But then I developed where I was doing six hours of practice a day. Yeah, and I've, I've got really good, but but that's how I am with everything, and and you seem to be like that anyway with what you're doing. I mean, totally. a thousand interviews in like fifteen minutes or whatever you're doing. <laughs> it's true, man. It's very it's very binary. Yeah, it's very yeah, like yeah, yeah. nothing. Like I'm either gonna like stick to a good diet. So on, but honestly, yeah. I think that because there's there's its benefits. Like I used to think of the argument like, well, right if, someone, if someone's if someone's addicted, they could just turn that into a good addiction let's just like a good addiction let's just say like exercise or meditation you know and i and i've seen that myself like i get very into it and i go balls out you know so maybe it's it's a good thing so it has its benefits but i also you know what it's almost like it's our saving it's our worst enemy but also it's also our saving grace because i mean i'm as i'm sitting in now i'm 152,000 words into a book now, if you'd have told me five years ago I was going to write 152,000, it's only a rough draft. Yeah. I would never have believed you. But once yeah. you once I get started, then that's it. That's it. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to keep going now. Yeah. So it can because some people can't even begin to get their head around the fact that you're going to write 152,000 words and yeah. still. Be. So it does have its pluses. So, but do you know what the good thing is for you is What's that, that you recognize it. You recognize it. You recognize it. A lot of people don't, and I didn't neither, really. And in fact, most drinkers and drug people, they don't recognize it until it's quite far down the line. But if you've got a heads up about it, then that's fantastic, man. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One of my favorite authors, Eckhart Tolle, he says, like, awareness is the first step. Yes. And, um, it's like, yes. you got to recognize, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like AA, 12 step. Like, you got to recognize there's a problem first. Yeah, AA is a bit of a funny one, but yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I, I want to hear your take on I'm that. Not, I've been, I've been, I, um, AA, I've met some really cool people at AA. I went to quite a few different like chapters around, I've like, one East London, one two near me, and I couldn't stand it. I, it's not that it was bad, it just it wasn't for me. And I knew the minute I was sat down and, I don't know, man, they, they got some crazy stories, some of them dudes, and they're funny people, and there's some good advice on offer. And to tell the truth, the minute I got there, straight away, people were giving me their phone numbers and saying, look, just give us a call. Everything will be all right. And didn't know that was really good. I mean, that was at a point in my life where I couldn't even take out money or bank cards because I was just like, that, on the first thing in the morning, I'd be on it. Yeah. But it, it didn't click. And that really freaked me out then because I didn't know what to, what to turn to then. Because I only, I, people think of AA, oh, sorry, alcoholism, excuse me, and they think AA and that's it. So if you're not going to get through AA, what are you going to do? That's where I was stuck. And then that's when you do get, not suicidal, but things start to change then because you don't think there's a way out. Hence right. the reason I do. Okay, that, that's an amazing point, point I'd like to bring up 
is cool. um you you not thinking there's a way out and like some ways to start some ways to take that first like fucking step and not have to look at the yeah, mountain yeah, 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 yeah. because what do we do we, we see this huge goal and we think 152,000 words but we don't just start writing the first sentence yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to a girl recently who was overweight by quite a bit and she lost yeah. like 100 pounds in one year because she made this 30 day challenge to drink one glass of water in the morning that was it she said it was almost a laughable um, thing thing to make you know yeah cheers <laughs> I love the water. That's awesome. <laughs> this stuff changed my life. I used to be a swimmer and a runner. So I'm used to drinking liters and liters of water. And I think that's what partly saved my life. Because at the time I was, I was drinking a bottle and a half of vodka a day, but I was also drinking quite a bit of water. And I okay. think, think that might have helped get me going. Very nice. I love there that. No diet. There was no diet involved at all. It was just liquid, man. Yeah, no kidding. Well, um, so what happened to yeah, no, so, yeah, so anyways, she said she attributes her 100-pound weight loss to that one glass of water in the morning at breakfast. That's all she had to do was just drink a glass yeah. of water in the morning because she started to build that trust with herself. It's like, yeah. oh, I trust you to, like, set a goal and then actually stick to it, not like, I'm going to quit drinking altogether and I'm just going to do it, you know, like the all or nothing. But she just instead, or, like, lose all this weight, she just took that first step of drinking the glass of water and then she eventually started building a habit, building trust with herself, and she could start losing the weight. So what's a way that you found we can start to um, work with our addictions and not fight against it because that never seems to work. How can we start yeah. to work with the addiction? Yeah, okay. There's, well, basically, there's a few things. So, like, um, yeah, when you say working against it, like I was thinking today, that I've been talking to someone today and we were, we were talking about self-talk. So people will say, like, my new book's about getting over cravings, yeah? And what, the way oh. I see it, if you want to get over an addiction, you've got to be able to get over them cravings, Yeah. If you yeah. think that like, now that won't cure your addiction, like because you might still have past trauma or whatever reason, that's still going to be there. But the way I see it, if you if you get onto the cravings first and you can overcome them, then you can move on to that stuff after because it gives you a bit of breathing space. Yeah, mm -hmm. See, that was that. a big that was the biggest thing for me and for people that I know is that the cravings they keep pulling you back. Right. This week, say, you get a day, then you get a craving, then you might get over the craving, but the next day you get another craving and you're back in it again for another couple of weeks, constantly cycling over, each time getting worse and worse and worse, though. So the best thing to do, personally for me, was to hit the cravings first. And I found this out purely, purely by luck because one day I spoke about it, I swear, I basically, I was, I was, I ended up cutting down the tree basically on a day after I'd been, I'd been on it for a couple of weeks. I was hanging. And I'd, I'd, um, I promised my neighbour that I was going to give him a hand, and I've been pulling it off for months, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> months. And one day he turned up, and I mean, I was—I hadn't slept for about a week, I don't think, and I was just terrible. And I couldn't get to the shop because I was a vodka drinker. Couldn't get to the office to get my, my drink. We started straight away, um, and I, ne I was nearly passing out. I was that bad. But what happened was I started sweating when I was cutting this tree down. And a few hours later, I was still rough, but I said to my other half, I said, everything's gone, all the cravings are gone. And I was, I was physically, mentally drained still, but it was the first time ever that I'd gone, because I'd, I'd always given into cravings. The cardio of cutting that tree down had forced cravings out of my system. Mm. And that was the first time, because up to then, the AA I tried, that had failed, everything else, everything else had failed. And all of a sudden, this cardio thing had come up. Cardio kills cravings. If mm. ever anyone, you or ever is your, you're suffering from alcohol, 
uh, or any kind of addiction, cardio kills cravings. The endorphins, they do a mass, they play a massive part in it. Um, and that's what got me going then is the, is the, is whenever I got a craving, I would just go out for a run or I'd go for, a, or I couldn't really run much because I was so unhealthy, unwell, unbelievable. But I'd just do something to get my heart rate up. Yeah. Um, and that saved my life. So that, that was the start of the claw back then, really. But to answer that question, I would start personally, if you want to start getting over addiction, start focusing on the cravings. And if you do want to get professional help, which I didn't do and I should have done, then you can also just book up, book up with someone, just book up with someone straight away to go and see them, to start sorting out the other side of things. But in the meantime, hit them cravings, you know, mm. start them cravings because they're what going to pull you back. Right. There's, nope. there's quite a few things you can do to get over them as well, which I didn't know about. So yeah, I, I love that. I love that. I love that so much because yeah, it does set us back. Like I, I like when you were saying this, I was resonating with it because I was like, oh, I've experienced that. I've experienced that. Like, mm. yeah, I, I've been there where the craving just takes over and then you're back and then you just feel like mm. oh, it's discouraging. And for me, and this might be the same for you if we relate on the all or nothing attitude is, yeah. um, the, the competence, confidence theory in psychology, where the better you get at something, the more confidence you gain. Yeah, so similar yeah. to building that trust yeah. with ourselves, when you get rid yeah. of that craving, it's easier to get rid of the craving the next time and in the next time. And the snowball yeah. starts to build until you're like where you are today when you're, you know, a recovery, recovered alcoholic. Yeah, that, I mean, that is, that is a very simplistic way that it works because that is, I mean, that is the perfect way it should work. But then cravings are very, very, very potent. And then you'll have some days where yeah. you will have, you'll get over the craving and maybe for two days, you'll have maybe little quiverings in the stomach. And then on the fourth and fifth day, you'll have something that will knock you, just knock you. I mean, it will just take you, it'll make your toes curl up. Yeah. And then you have one. And then it's the big ones that are the hard ones. You've really oh. got to concentrate on. So, um, how, go on. so, so how, like, so during a big one, cause I don't, I don't think I've experienced that necessarily. Like, especially with like the real bodily, like habit symptoms from withdrawal and, and whatever else. Yeah. So like, how does one deal with the big craving and, and get over that? Well, there's personally for me, when the big, when the big ones come, I would, as I say before, I just get on my bike or I do something physical. It has to be physical. You, and you've got to get, I always say, I, I think people should get to the point where they, they're doing something where if they've got their friend next to them, they can't speak to them because there's their, the car, the heart rate's really up. You want to get to that point. Now, I get that some uh-huh. people can't do that. I get that. Um, but that is, yeah, that, that's that's where I'll start with that. Um, but for the big ones, sometimes you just, you've, you've just got to, you've just got to strap in sometimes. And you've got to get it out of your mind as quick as possible. Because if you, if you let them linger, because cravings will linger as well, which is another thing with, that happens with them. If you entertain them or if you romanticise about stuff. Yeah. Wow. It can sit with you for hours. And then you, then you get tired then because you're making constant, you're yo-yoing between a should I shan't, should I shan't. Um, but, there, but some of the big ones I had, I mean, this is how bad it can get. I, there's, there's been some points where I've not been able to take a phone call because the craving's been so bad. Not that because I couldn't speak because I didn't have any mental capacity left because it's so draining. And then when they pass, you just want to go to bed because you're just so drained out. But what you said though, what you said though about them calming down, they do calm down over time. Yeah. But for the first few months is a bit, it's a bit intense. Yeah. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I can imagine. Like that sounds just so yeah. tough, especially when you're so used to it after doing it for a while. Like, 
like because I I felt I've done that yo-yo man like it, for me it was with food but like yeah. I I've, I've done that yo-yo I don't think it may have been as necessarily as like my it wasn't necessarily a bodily reaction I'm not sure if I was in as deep maybe as you may have been with alcohol and it may have different effects on the body too but yeah, um yeah. but um it's it is draining and even like I think anxiety like you were mentioning so many of us have it today. That's yeah. such like humans. We're meant to be full of energy. We're meant to be so, like full of energy, and but mm. our minds take away that energy when we start to make decisions and and stress about the future of like the stupidest little things. Like but anything, you know, you know, we are meant to be anxious as well. We we it's, it's in our DNA to be anxious because that's what saved us when we were our ancestors were on on the plane. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a reason why if there's a noise behind you. You've got to be wide. What is that? But the yeah, thing yeah. is, now you get anxious at the wrong times in life. Now you might be going to an interview and you get really anxious. And, it's all, and do you know, nine times out of ten, it's never that bad. It's never that bad. You, we make it out to be really bad. And you get to the situation and it's all right. It's all yeah. right. But interestingly, cardio covers anxiety and depression so much as well. I love Absolutely that. Smashes it. Absolutely smashes it. Um, for me, depression, the cardio saved me with depression as well. If that, if that comes over me now, the depression, the cloud, I just get out there and do something. And it always flushes it through. And if I don't do something for a couple of weeks, then I start to get down. Yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's a drug. Okay, but so so how do you how do you actually, like, do the cardio? Because, like, that's so easy to say. But, like, when you're feeling the craving, like, that yeah. big, big craving, it's tough to say, okay, I'm just going to go do cardio and it'll go away. You know? So, like, how just, do you, like, I feel like you almost have to, like, what I found is, like, almost, you almost have to, like unconsciously just go start doing cardio like don't even think about it like just go just get out like just go for a walk don't, even, don't, don't entertain the idea don't yo-yo just literally go like you need, don't think about you know, it yeah you need to change your state as quick yeah. as possible that's all it is you're changing your state that's all it is i mean I, I mean it's not just cardio i mean there's all kind of ways to go i mean i remember once i, I remember once craving really bad and then I, where i was working i was really craving and a really beautiful girl come in she was stunning oh, and really? And it took my craving away. No Honestly, way. yeah, she was so she was so that she took it took my craving away. And there's other things as well you can do. Like if you're really because a lot of the time also when we crave later on, it's not necessarily about the alcohol. For me now, when I get a craving like I had one today. It was because I was hungry, and I just stopped off straight away and quickly run in and got um I got some passion fruit and I got some other bits and bobs and I ate them. And the minute I ate them, it went through me. Another big one also is get um, if it, sometime it can be down to uh, sugar. Your your yeah, you're lacking sugar. So if you're crave for a lot of people, if you're craving as well, just go out and get a little bottle of coke and neck it. And the sugar rush, admittedly, it, it, it works, man. It will spike really? your sugar levels up, and they will drop off again really quickly. But for that period, that craving will go. That's such an interesting little tip. I, I love yeah. that. Also, uh, curries are a good one as well. Spicy food. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll write that down as well. Spicy food. Yeah. If you have you if a good one for craving, get some chilies in you. I love that. So, um, what does like um like what do we do if a uh, a family member has addiction or like how do we like how do we because like that that's that's my situation. So like, do you have any insight in like like joining like an Al Anon group or something oh, like like Al Anon? What was that? It, oh, Al, maybe it's not in the UK. Uh, Alanon is a group. I think it's actually worldwide. It's like it's like AA, but for family members. So oh. Like, yeah, it's actually it's very nice. Like you go in, like you. How do you deal with a family member who has 
um, an addiction to alcohol. And yeah, it's, it's the exact same as AA, the exact same principles, religion, yeah. set process, but it's just for if you're a family member. But like, how like how do we start to deal with this if we have someone in our family like that? Like, yeah. oh, actually, one second, sorry. Um, I just want to add in, um, how can we deal with it from your like from your perspective because you were in there, and I feel like it's very easy for us that are outside of the addiction to like judge and view it in one way, but they're actually suffering on the inside, and it's it's like, and we tend to paint them in a bad in a you know not so bright light in our minds. But how can we be a little bit more compassionate? Yeah. Um. Well. I never, I've actually, I've never personally dealt with anything like that, like a family member. But if I was to, there isn't, I, there isn't really much you can do, which is a scary thing. Yeah. Um, there is, there is. I did know of something. There's a term they they use for, say, like you've got a son who's a heroin addict, and say, like the mum goes to go out and get the heroin for the son, and then she lets him do it at home. There's a term they, that I can't remember what it is now. It's, it's gone. Um, and it's and it's kind of frowned upon the, for the for the the parent to do that, but they're actually saying now that's quite a good thing, because they're in a safer environment, they're at home, yeah, um, and it's, so it's more controlled. But do you know what the main thing is? If say like your family member, there's, I know it's a really worn out saying and it's so cliche, but it's all down to the person. If you're telling them to stop, or if you're prying for them to stop, and they don't want to stop then they won't stop. Yeah. That's a scary thing. It really, sometimes you've got to let the ship just run its course. Mm. So like, if I get back on it now uh, and start drinking again, I know I won't stop until I reach a certain point. Normally it's when I feel so awful that I just can't even, I can't even breathe. Um, and sometimes you've got to reach that point. I call it embracing, I call, I've got this thing called embracing the horror where you remember the last worst time where, you was, I mean, on your knees and howling like a dog. And I've had that. I've had that, man. And I've never forgot that. Yeah. And I keep that on board now. Whenever I fancy a little drink or whatever, um, I try and remember that. Um, and that's, I, that's what I call embracing the horror. But you've got to reach that point to before you felt that. that so, like, like you, you got to hit rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. Some people argue that shouldn't be the case. You should, you should be able to stop any time, and you can do. But for some people, they just got to get to the point where they're so screwed up that then they ask for help, or then they decide to clean their act up. But if you're, you can't force it on someone. I mean, you can have forced interventions, but you can't. The person's got to want to do it, man. Which yeah, is a shame because it's a shame well, for the family because well, you know they're, they're not lemons. I, I just, yeah, I agree. Like, it's it's tough being part of the family, but at the same time, it's like it's like we're all responsible for ourselves at the end of the day. But um, anyways, I was thinking of something like just biologically or sorry, physiologically, human beings are the name of the game is to avoid pain, go towards yeah. pleasure, and conserve energy. Right? Like yeah, that's yeah. how we evolved. So yeah. for me, when I think like avoid pain, that's why like, okay, maybe hitting rock bottom is a good thing. Like embracing the horror, like you're saying, because, mm. because then we actually, like we want to avoid, we never want to feel that pain again. We're going to avoid mm. doing the action that caused that. So for me, that mm. actually rings true because going towards pleasure, that's basically the alcohol, right? So for me, the that's only awesome. solution, the only ev evolutionary solution for me, it just seems to be hit rock bottom. So you never want to go there again. Mm. But then also, like, when it comes to alcohol, that's, like, risking death, right? So that's, like, a scary thing. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But the thing is, like when you were saying there about uh, the pain, the pleasure, and the other one, a lot of people drink and take drugs because of pain. I didn't. I've, I've got no. My childhood was fantastic. I'm. I'm not. I've got. I wasn't abused. I had a cool family, and for me, I just love getting high. Yeah. So, so then it's nothing to do with pain then. Yeah. And then I loved it. I loved the excitement of it. I love. I get excited. Like if I think of having a drink, I get excited. I want to. Let's fucking do it, man. Let's go yes. have some fucking. Fun, love, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've always loved that shit, man. But. So it was. I was coming at it from that angle as well, which made it a bit confusing. So I was like, "Well, I haven't been like I'm not traumatized or anything." So people can come at it from that view as well. Of yeah. and that that makes it even more confusing because how do you stop someone having fun? Yeah, so, right, they, right. And, and, and then them they view it as fun because like they, they don't. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a really, good, I'm glad you brought you that know, up. If you try and make sense of it, I find with addiction, if I try and make too much sense of it, it's like thinking about space. So, like, there's got to be something after space because everything ends. So, when you try and think about that, your mind goes crazy, yeah? Yeah, it's like, it's like you can't comprehend it, yeah. No, no, and there's, like, there's mountains on Jupiter that are so high that if you fell off of it, you'd be falling. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it is. You would starve to death before you hit the bottom. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane, right? And then sometimes when I'm writing about my book and writing about addiction, trying to figure out is it a learned disease or is it a learned behavior, sorry, or a genetic disease, trying to figure it out, man. Oh, it's like that. You can, you can do your brain in. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I guess you just got to keep it simple. I think that's the best thing as well. But it's oh. tough having to watch, getting back to your thing about the family member. That's, that's tough to be able to sit there seeing them fall apart, really. But as I say, I've not really got any experience with that. So I just kind of, things of addiction, I, you isolate yourself from addiction. And I did. Yeah. I got to the where I worked for myself and I was by myself all day, which was really bad. And I didn't go out with my friends anymore. I wasn't doing music anymore. I was drinking by myself. I didn't even drink in pubs for the last two, three years. Um, so but people tend to isolate themselves as well, which makes it hard. Um but the best thing you do, you've got to keep your eye on them, I guess, and you just got to keep encouraging them, and just you've got to hope they're going to snap out of it. I mean, there might be professionals out there that that, that will have other answers to that, but right. I'm not but like first, that. though, like the person has to admit that they need help, right? Um, yeah, I would say that's a bit AA like. I wouldn't even say that. I would just say the person's got to think, the person themselves just got to think. Do you know what? I've got to call this a day, or I've got to start thinking about pulling my act together. And okay. then there's a, there's a couple of things you can do then that I've done. Um, and then like, but they've got to get to that point where they just think, you know what? I've got, to, I've got a cool time out. I've got to sort something out here. And the thing is, you'll get to the point where you, you'll, you'll be so physically ill that you, most people will want to do that. Cause I was reading this interview with a bloke, um, a neuroscientist, uh, called, I think it's called Mark Davis. He'd done biology, biology of addiction and he was saying that i think it's something 95 percent of people do eventually get over their addictions it's most people do a lot of people tend to grow out of them as well which i think i partly did you tend to grow out of it because every seven years we we rejuvenate we, we, we ourselves everything gets changed um like all your taste buds dna gets i think starts to get moved around a little bit and you you, you kind of shed a skin every seven years oh interesting and, yeah, yeah, and I definitely, I mean, like, it's like, uh, the taste bud, like, I couldn't, I can't, I used to, I hate cheese, but now I love cheese. That's like one of the things. Um, and I think sometimes people, a lot of people just grow out of it. 
but then also it can be sometimes it can be an enforced change as well. Like sometimes, like um, what well, I mean, that person you're talking about, do they still work? No, not for four years. Oh, okay then. Yeah, is that retirement? Retirement or no? Too early for retirement, and like they're like running low, if not in debt. Oh right, okay, okay. Yeah, they've got a bit too much time on their hands as well, and that's another issue. You want to keep busy if you can. It can be a bit harder. Basically, basically, like the person will just like, um, like literally watch the news all day, and I do mean all day. Sedentary lifestyle is a bad thing. I was listening to a podcast today, and they were saying they they actually run tests for this in 2016 and 2017, and they had two groups. One group was totally sedentary; the other people were active and doing quite a lot of cardio. The difference in the, after the I think it was like sixth week was unbelievable, and the people that were sedentary developed. Were starting to develop. I mean, they literally they weren't allowed to move, but they started to develop quite chronic mental health issues, and they didn't go in there with that neither. And yeah. that's after that's after a like a short period of time. Then they changed them over and done the same thing again, and exactly the same outcome. Mm-hmm. The person we're talking about has got to get up and get moving, man. You're get telling people yeah. amongst people, but then I bet they don't want to do that, do they? Not at all. Not really, like a little, like I, there's like been signs of like maybe a little bit here and there, but not really. I've got to want to do it, man. Yeah, that's what I keep. And I, I've asked like psychologists, like a, a, like experts, like therapists, like they all say the same thing that you're saying. Like they just, they just got to, they got to want to do it themselves. Like there's not a whole lot of adrenaline almost, doesn't hate seems right. You know what I mean? So, sorry, can you say that again? It's almost like they need a shot of adrenaline in, in them or something, just like fire yeah, them up. Yes, I'm, yeah, totally. You know, I was talking to a lady yesterday, and she was telling me about her, her father was an alcoholic, and then um, he, he was bad as well. When she, she had a bad upbringing, he wasn't really abusive to her, but to the, her mum she was. Then her mum started drinking, her mum killed herself. Uh, the dad carried on drinking, <coughs> excuse me, and then six years ago, he fell in love. And then the day he fell in love, he stopped drinking, he's never gone back. Really? So you, you can get it sparked as well. Um, sometimes for, like for people who have a new job um, I know a bloke and he was really wanted this job and he didn't get it and he really was down about it and he was a drinker anyway and then a few months later they called him up and offered him the job and it was such a like a kick for him that he hasn't drunk since interesting wake up call or some kind of excitement but that person you're dealing with um, they need to get out there man um, they say that as well. A lot of people, that's the reason I asked about retirement because a lot of people retire, and I hear stories all the time. They, they're active, they retire, and within a few months, they start having their one or two drinks like every day. And then before, a few years down the line, they're like in a right mess. They've got nothing to do, they're just drinking all day. And at that age, you don't repair yourself so quick. So they're open to attack from all kinds of like just, just terribleness. I mean, alcohol is. It's called a poison for a reason, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know? So, so it's I, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a tough conundrum, man. That like because every everything about this is just so irrational and like dealing with people, and then there's like your family gets involved, and like yeah. everything about like it's just such a me- addiction is just so messy. It's it's so selfish and like. Or not even selfish. I don't even like that word. Like it just—it's just so—it's so messy. And even the people that are involved in the family, like they get selfish. It's clever. It's really clever. That's what it is. It's mm, really clever. clever. I'm really slow, 
and you don't even notice the changes, man. It's like when I say to people now, I used to drink a bottle and a half of vodka a day and then go and do loads of cocaine because I was so wired up with the vodka that my body was, I felt like I had insects all over me. Um, yeah. And but the thing is, that sounds terrible, yeah. But that was a, that took like 20 years to get to that point. That wasn't just an automatic overnight thing. That was a slow, slow, steady build up over time, you know. And a lot of time you don't see it coming. I mean, I did. I never thought I'd be sat here. I'm 42, and I'll be having a conversation about the fact that I'm. I was fucked, man. I mean, dark day. <laughs> I didn't think it would happen to me. I didn't think, but um, yeah, and it it will sneak up on you. It will sneak up on you. That's the yeah. problem people got now. <clears throat> and also in Britain, we're closing all the pubs now, so there's no measure. But now in pubs, you get measures like um, strict measurements of alcohol. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you go in the pub, you know, you've probably got in bars in... Oh, no, you've done... You, you're free pour, didn't you, over there? Um, we got optics here. So you get, like, 25 milliliter or whatever it is of, of spirits. Measured, oh. yeah? Also, you've got the pub landlord. So if you drink too much, you can tell you to get out and go and calm down. That's not there now. Now, all the alcohol, all the pubs are closed down. And there's a lot of cheap alcohol around now as well. Like, there's cheap vodka. So everyone's now at home free pouring, like, they're in our beef bar. And everyone's getting really ill because of that now, because they're just drinking a lot more vodka and it's, and it's stronger. And domestic, apparently domestic violence is going through the roof now because people are getting smashed and then smashing up their other half. It's a nightmare. Oh, no kidding. Jesus. No, it's rough, man. Well, yeah. There's something, uh, the, the last question I'd like to ask you is, um, what would you say to someone who's like right in the thick of their addiction right now? Like right in like the, you know, ground zero, like they're like, Say say they're like in another bad two weeks birth. They've tried to quit, but they just can't. They just can't cut it. The craving keeps taking over. Like how how do they get over that craving? Like how do they? What do they do? Like what's the first step they could take? I would say a week off work. A week off work. Interesting. Yeah, a week off work. If not more, if you could, um, talk to someone you really really trust, uh, and then I would lock myself away. I, I, it's like self rehabilitation. I mean, you can go to these these. Um, these recovery centers or rehab places, but they cost a lot of money, man. And after 30 days, you're released back into the wild. And after 30 days, you're only just beginning. If you want to do it yourself, you've got to, you've got to lock yourself at home. Um, and it's tough, man. It's really tough. Lock, lock yourself at home. <coughs> um, and also build up to it, I would say, as well. Build up to it. Lock yourself at home. And the reason I say ask someone, talk to someone who you know and who you trust well, have them with you maybe the whole time, just just to keep you inside. And for the first few days, you've got to just sweat it out. You probably won't want to eat that much for the first few days. Um, I wouldn't even worry about diet at that point, neither. At that point, just start getting fluids in you and maybe just some soups. Um, you probably won't even worry. You won't, you won't really care about fruit and vitamin tablets at that point. You, you just get because well, You're not used to eating. I didn't really eat much in the last two years, really. I did, but only when I was really, really hungry. But that was very rare because I was getting my calories from the alcohol. So um, you kind of got to learn to eat again, which is a bit of a weird one. So, yeah, just for the first three days, it's always, for me, them first three days were the hardest. On the third day was the first time when I'd feel a bit of mental clarity. Um, and then, I would de I'd, then I'd start hitting the vitamin tablets and supplements big time. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get loads of vitamin D. Get loads of vitamin B inside you. Um, and also think about if you can. I know it's still early. See, this is, the thing is, I'm talking to you now as someone that's been 
I had a little relapse over Christmas, but I've been I'm pretty I'm pretty good now, really. And so I'm talking it from someone who's kind of I'm kind of out, not out the other end, but I'm not in deep in the abyss. And I'll, I'd love to answer that question if I would just come out of that abyss, because I imagine my answer would be a bit different. But it's kind of that's the problem with Mother Nature. All this stuff fades into the background, then it I suppose these little bits and bobs. But um, yeah, so three days lockdown. And then just spend a few days just re- regaining yourself, yeah? Um, I would also get online and listen, go go on to YouTube. I got so much help off of YouTube. Um, YouTube, uh, people like Kevin O'Hara was unbelievable. Tell your whoever your friend is who's suffering, have a look, check out Kevin O'Hara, uh, Alcohol Mastery. He was brilliant. He was the first person I, I, I realised... After seeing his videos, I realised that I had a way out that wasn't AA-based. Really? That was, yeah, that was good. Um, another good one as well is Craig Beck. Craig Beck wrote a really good book. Um, there's like the industry standard one, which is Alan Carr's How to Stop Drinking, yeah? That's mm. the one that everyone reads and talks about. And I think Craig Beck, I prefer Craig Beck's book. I mean, it, I would get a, get a copy of Alcohol Lied to Me by Craig Beck for your whoever is suffering. And get them to, I mean, would they be open to that kind of thing, though, reading that kind of stuff? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Prob- probably not, but, like, maybe, like, a YouTube video would be an easier thing to start with. Or... Yeah, and get it on Kevin O'Hara, then. He's really good. He's, like, this old Irish man. He now lives in Spain. And some of his videos are really good for me. There's some really good people on YouTube. Annie Grace is another good one. Yeah. Really good. Um... But Craig Beck stuff, he's, he's on YouTube as well. He's pretty good. Oh, yeah? Okay. The thing is, the, thing is, the problem you've got, you can't really force this person to do what they don't want to do. So yeah. you've kind of got to try and watch it happen, which is which is painful, you know? Um, and if they don't want to get out of that armchair, what are you going to do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What you yep. do? It's, it's tough just trying to, like, detach from the outcome and um, do what I can to support and love is what I've decided to do, but... I don't really know. Do they, do they get, um, are they, are they, when they're drunk, are they good or bad drunks? Um, not like super bad. Not, not super good either. What was that? A little bit mouthy? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, 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 too, not too bad, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. More, yeah. more like, more like just like tired, just like not much is said. Mm. Just yeah. out of interest, what's, what's their chosen poison? Uh, red wine. Okay. Not the end of the world, then. That's not too bad. Oh, okay. Not too... Yeah, it's that's not, it's not, a, it's not a hard spirit like a vodka. That's a bit more damaging. Okay. Yeah. That's a bit easier. What you could do also, you could maybe talk to them about um, weaning down onto lager or beer. Slowly oh. weaning down that way. There's, there's some good stuff out there on tapering off of alcohol. There's some really good podcasts, actually. I'll tell you one now, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, check this out. This is really good. Uh, by it's by by um, the uh, Elevation Recovery, hosted by Chris Scott and Matt Finch. There's some really good stuff on there, and also there's some good stuff on there for anyone else listening to this about diet and supplements. <coughs> excuse me, um, for a little bit later on in your recovery, because you need to start if you. Say you've got past the beginning bit and it was the rough bit at the beginning. Then later on, as I was saying earlier on about this protracted withdrawal, you need to start dealing with this because this will, take, this will put you back where you started if you don't. Diet plays a massive part in this. Massive part. 
diet and, and supplements as well. Supplements can be found. There's so many good supplements now. But that podcast, the um, Elevation Recovery, they do some good stuff on that. And they also do what I was saying about this tapering off of alcohol. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know if I could personally have done that. But from the sounds of it, quite a few people do. So what with, with your relative, say he's on wine, then what you could maybe do is suggest him that might, or he could for himself get down to lager. You could still say to him, you're still drinking alcohol, so you're still getting the buzz. But the thing is, you've gone all sudden in from a 12.5% proof bottle of um, red wine down to, say, like a 4.5 can of, I mean, what you got? I don't know, is it Budweiser or Stella's? I don't know. Something, something like that, yeah. Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that's, that in itself is a tapering down, what you've done there, straight away, because you've cut down the alcohol content. So it's not, it's not as toxic on the body. And then from there, you can start cutting it back a little bit more each time as well. But mm. tapering, people do do that. But you've got, if you're going to be doing tapering, um, you've got to be really regimented about that, and you've got to stick to it. You've really got to stick to it. And yeah. Sounds like a sounds like a slippery slope. Tapering. It is. It, it, do you know what? It does seem to work for people um, because at the end of the day, as long as they can still know they're still getting their buzz at some point in the day, most of them will take that until the bitter end, where they that day will come when they can't. But the hope is, is that by the time you reach that point, um, that you would be on, like, say, a can. Of, I mean, you can take it down to literally a can a day if you want, at uh, end, end of the day. And um, But even if you get to that, I'll give you say, let's say you got to that point, say this person, and you did get to the point where he was only having two cans of the day, and then he started to drink the red wine again, you still would have had a period there where he would have cut down the alcohol on his body. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing, you know. Um and then once you do get me off the alcohol, get them off the alcohol, there's a whole other load of things you can you can do as well to stay off it. Like I had like say a wall chart, a big calendar on my wall, and I'd mark off the days as I went along. Um, my first year, I couldn't I couldn't do two days, two days, three days was just a minor miracle. It's like the second coming of Jesus, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was serious business. Three days, man. And then yeah, I still got my upstairs on my old calendars, uh, uh, these big wall charts, and they're all like this red ticks and every now and again you've got like one day in, in say january and then two days in march and then three days in september and that's it but i slowly build that up over all the time just always mark it down or just building up then i got to four days and then five days was massive and then you keep going until you get to like big numbers you know until you get to cricket scores man yeah. um yeah there's stuff like that and and also like when when People, when I say about cardio, you don't have to go out there and smash it like I did. Because, um, you know, the, the, going back to this obsessive-compulsive thing, I had the problem then because then I would get off the alcohol for the day and then when the next day I want to do a 25-mile run. And then I'd just collapse in agony and I'd be so screwed that I want to start drinking again. So just do bite-sized chunks. Um, if you're, say, really, really unwell or quite old, you ain't got to run, you ain't got to cycle, then you can just do walks, get... Um, one of these things on the phones now where you can how many how many steps you take for the day and just become your own little auditor really and just write down every day your steps how many steps you do and then realize what, what your kind of cutoff point is say like ten thousand steps so then that's your base and you every day you want to get to at least ten thousand steps but then think to yourself maybe two, two days of the week i want to get that to eleven and a half thousand steps Gotcha. And then slowly build that up, you know. That's you ain't got to go mad. Yeah. Anything to get you change of state away from the cravings. Anything to change the state. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And then get that 
I say, I call it getting time and distance is the best thing you'll ever do. It's experience that you can't buy from a recovery coach or a rehab center. Time and distance, man. Because in that time of distance, that's when you start relearning about yourself and you start relearning. And not only that, you get time to think. Because when you're in the middle of hell, you don't see it for how bad it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Don't you? It's mad. I mean, I could tell you things of stunts that I've pulled and you would not believe it, man. Yeah. And yeah, and I look back now and I think, how the hell did I get away with I me mean, financially? How I got away with it, I don't know. But, um, but it's only when you look back, but you can't do that while you're in the fog. Do you know what I mean? So you've yeah. got to get that time and distance between you. And then if you go back, don't worry about it. Go back. And then you start building again. And then you get that two days again. But then after a while, them two days become normal. And then you start going up to three days. It's a re- People fail because it's so yo-yo-y and stop starting. And it isn't just one long straight view off it. And that. I mean, there are people that have done that. But generally speaking, people that come off alcohol and never touch it again have had a proper fright. I mean, a real fright. But to, no, I'm not going near it. Having said that, I know, I know a few people that had a, I mean, deathbed experience in hospital and they come out, first thing they've done was get alcohol, man. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's sad, man. That's tough. Well, anyways, brother, that, that's what, those are all the questions I have for today. I really appreciate it, man. Like, th- this really helped I'll, me. I'll ask, you, I'll ask you something, man. What was that, sorry? I'm going to ask you something. Yeah, yeah, ask away. Two things, two things. Um... Reading all them books that you were doing, yeah? Yeah. What was well, your, what was, what, that many, but... what was it, what was that, 30 days or 30 books or something? Yeah, 30 books in 30 days, yeah. How do you read a book a day? Uh, well, first of all, like, I'm not a fast reader at all. It took no, me, like, no. took me, like, maybe, like, six hours a book. Um, And so I, I would just read for, like, I would just take the time every day. But the thing is, over Christmas holidays... I took three yeah. days off reading a book a day because I would like just drank a bunch of alcohol, ironically enough, and like did yeah, all that, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and um, anyways, so that now I'm back three days, so now I have three books to catch up. So now in the and I only had like ten days left, so I now I have to read thirteen books in like ten days. And I found for the end of it because I'm a slow reader, but I had to make sure I hit every page right. So I was being, you know, um, what's it called, integral yeah. competition. Um, it would take me, I would be reading for like nine to 12 hours a day for those last like seven days. Oh, oh, and it was just like oh. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Why was, do you, do you, do you, sorry, do you speed reading? I've learned, I've heard this thing about people that they don't really read as much as they flick through pages. Yeah, no, I'd love to learn how to do that. I don't know how to do that. But when I was reading, I would like read every page, like every, but um, no, I, I've, I actually, I watched a YouTube video, how could I read a book a day before I started it? And basically, yeah. yeah, there is a tactic you can use to like only look at, only like use your um, or you can use your peripherals for the for one third and one third, and then you only actually look at the first third of the page, or the middle third of the page, and you just, and you just go down fast, and you can probably read the like, page in like twenty seconds. What was that? Sorry, I think that's called retic- reticular activation. They call that. Oh, okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you're reading a book and all of a sudden the whole world around you just disappears and all you can see is that book. It's like also whenever you're out and about and if someone calls your name and they're far away and there's loads of noise, you for some reason you you pick up on that your name. That's reticular activation, man. Oh, I see, what yeah. What's been your favorite book then? Oh, great question. Out of that challenge, it would um it's easy for me. There's two that pop out: A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. I recommend that book to everybody. Eckhart yeah. Tolle, if you look look into that man, your life will become better. I guarantee it. Um, Why do I know his name? I know that name. 
Yeah, well, he's from the, he's, he's from the he's from the UK originally, but no, he he's over in um in the West Coast in Canada now, I believe, in Vancouver. How do you spell his first name? E C K H A R T. I got him. I got him. I got him. Spirit. Oh, I know this bloke. Yes. Do you? Yes. I thought I recognised his name. German. Yeah, German born. I've got those books upstairs. Oh, I'm yes. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I've not read it. I've done. I've done a job for some lady, and she gave me the book. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think oh. I'm reading. Do you know, interesting, that's something that I didn't do, which I should have done, which I'm starting to do now. Another good tip for people, meditation, man. Oh, yeah, totally. Do I, yeah, I meditate. Actually, I've been doing it for an hour a day when I wake up. Oh, really? It's been very, it's been unbelievable. Yeah. Did you really, because I'm just starting, you know, Sam Harris, the, the neuroscientist, yeah. he's got his own app. He's got, yeah, I did the first five, um, first five with him because after five you have to pay and i didn't feel like paying for it after that but like yeah, yeah, yeah. but um no i thought sam harris's was really great just to be a, be aware of your body and your breath the yeah. whole point of meditation is to have an anchor to kind of have something yeah. to come back to and get away from the incessant stream of thoughts basically yeah. the whole and that's yeah. a huge for addiction that's the reason why i wanted to talk to you was because I, what is like addiction is basically just like a thought telling you like drink it drink it bitch you know like yeah 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 yeah, yeah i could see a meditation would help yeah, mm. that's the thing. That's the thing. What people say about this self-talk thing, and they, they say like, if you've got a craving, then just talk like they say. Think of your life like a movie, yeah, and then press fast, fast forward. So before you take that drink, press fast forward and see your life's gonna be in say six hours when you're setting yourself alight and you're naked and you're jumping up and down on your mum and dad or something. Like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing is, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, man, because. You can't self-talk yourself because at the time, all this here, all the prefrontal cortex, yeah, all your, we do our thinking here, don't we? And all our, we think and we plan and we, we think ahead. This is gone. When you're, under, when, you're, when, you're, when you're using drugs or if you're craving, this is disconnected. That's why you can't do self-talking, people. You've got, that's why I'm saying about changing the state. You've got to force it through, man. Mm. Oh, and you can, that's, oh, that's a great, there's a point I'd like to actually bring through here. This is, that's an amazing point, why you want to change state because there's only, two ways we can change our state one through our physiology so like you're saying yeah. like running and two yeah. our internal representations which comes from the mind but our mind's fucked so we have to use the state that's the only way i think you're right there's free there's free man there's chemical as well there's drugs isn't it that's changes your state so what's the third one chemical chemicals so like you've got so like that that changes oh, state. like if you take a drug or something yeah 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 yeah, oh, yeah. okay so okay so non non-drug okay yeah i got you okay cool yeah what um what i was gonna say oh yeah what what, what happened with your vegan thing as well i'm intrigued oh yeah uh well i i felt like all right like i didn't feel any like massive like vegan's the best thing i'm so energized i didn't really feel that but it was nice for me to eat more vegetables basically and vegetables carry a lot of oxygen to our brains because yeah. they have oh, higher water content oh really okay did you was you really hungry a lot no, vegan food actually filled me up quite a bit. Really? What did you? Did you? Um, I'm not going to go vegan or anything. I, cause I love. I mean, I wouldn't mind trying to become vegetarian, but I love meat too much. Yeah, um, it's, it's tough to go right off. Like just like alcohol, people say like, try one vegan meal a week to start, and then keep going and going. You know, if you really want to try. Going to get recipes or, or things to eat though, because um, there's such a choice. It seems. Yeah, there's actually some very good vegan dishes. The problem for me is that I'm too lazy and I go for convenience. 
And so um, to go to make a nice, delicious vegan meal, I find it takes at least like 20 to 30 minutes. And I just want to like toss something, you know, I want to make something in like five to 10 minutes, like throw some eggs on, you know, have like some oatmeal. So like, yeah, yeah. so I found it just took a little bit extra time. But there are like I had cauliflower, like vegan cauliflower tacos the other night. So ridiculously good. Like, like Mm. I, I and like I've had vegan pizza. I've had vegan. I've had vegan like everything. And dude, it's actually very good. Um, yeah, it just it, it, it just costs more. It takes more time usually. Yeah, it's funny. Over in London, there's quite a few vegan restaurants opening now, and they're they're yeah. booming. They're booming. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Not yeah. only that, interestingly, on the alcohol thing, there's also a, like in Bethnal Green in East End and Shoreditch, there's a lot of alcohol-free pubs that are, are popping up. Oh, and interesting. Oh, absolutely smashing it. I've never been to one, but they serve things like they call them mocktails instead of cocktails. They're like alcohol-free cocktails. And apparently these places in the trendy parts of London now are, are absolutely, like, people are not, I don't think people drink as much alcohol anymore, man. It's crazy. That's, that seems like a great way to get off alcohol is to go to a place like that. You, yeah. You other experiences, but you, like, don't get the, you know, drinking the alcohol. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's crazy, man. So what are you going to do in the future? What's your plans? My plans? Well, right now I'm kind of just going, like, one to two weeks at a time kind of thing but basically with this podcast my goal is to meet like a thousand people that have a story to share that that can help me with my own healing my own trauma like this week i've talked to a lot of uh psychologists childhood trauma healers and i've gotten into some deep shit and so basically all like what i spend my time on is interviewing people using what they've learned and then applying it to my own life and then seeing what comes from it. And then I'm basically, this is because I dropped at a university. I'm treating this as my university. So I get to learn exactly what I want. And then once I've learned what I want to learn, then I can create a living out of it and, you know, do what I well, love. For why life. don't you get a degree in psychology though and study it properly? Because I'm not 100% sure I want to do psychology. Oh, okay then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't found like I want to do this, you know? So for me, I'm just going to try. Like I asked myself a question a few months ago is what would I do? If I had a hundred million dollars in the bank and yeah. the answer, the answer for me was travel and learn. So I'm just going to do that. And just like, can, like every couple weeks, if I have an inspiration, I'll go, I'll do that. And I'll just keep following my heart until, until the day yeah. I die. Yes. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and I mean, it's a good thing that like, you're quite, cause you're quite young still, you know, you've still got a little bit of time on your side. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm only 20. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm young. I'm, bloody, I'm 22 years older than you, man. Fucking hell. that's crazy isn't it crazy yeah well 42 is young though too man i I don't i don't think you're old until you're like 110 that's when that's when i think we start getting old yeah 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 yeah. i tell you what though friend a lot changes man yeah i'm sure from when you're 20 yeah i'm sure yeah 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 mine was at 41 at 41 i remember saying to my mate i don't know why but i instinctively feel now that i'm on the other side and it's so true and I was listening to this podcast, Joe Rogan podcast. Um, do you know a bloke called, is it Naval Ravikant? Yes, I've seen no, that episode. Yeah, he had a great quote in it by the Chinese philosopher. Um, oh, his name escapes me now. But he's, his quote was, every man has two lives. And the second one begins the day he realizes he's going to die. And that's what happens when you hit, when you hit 40. Because that was me, because you're on the other side now. Now I'm not looking back now. I'm on that side, man. That's I heaven. Love, I love that. that. Dude, that's such a badass quote. Oh, man. 
Oh, I can't remember the name of the geezer that said it now. I, I think I think it was Conf- it was Confucius. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Nice one. That's a great quote, man. And do you yeah. know what? And it's so true. Right at forty-one, I felt like I'm on the other side now, and and it's true. And then you start thinking of things a little bit differently then as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. That, is that you realize that that's all. That must be so liberating. Like it's very it's, nice. Scary. It's scary. Yeah. I think scary because. You're, you're not infallible now. You're not infallible. And so if I go to the gym and hurt myself now, it takes me three, four days to go over it, where t- 20 years ago, that would be cool. And like, I do funny things like that. My dad, like, if I bend down and pick something up now, I make a stupid noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But is. you know what? And the other thing is, I know like, I remember my uncle sitting down when I was really, really young, and he said to me, Enjoy it while you can, because it goes really, really quick. And I was like 10 or 11. So I was just like, whatever. It, <laughs> yeah. it goes quick, friend. It goes quick, man. Yeah. It goes quick. And I, just I, enjoy it. Yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy it. I mean, I've been told, like, travel while you're young, you know, like, enjoy it while you're young, you know, all that, all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah, I, 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 there probably is some truth to that. Yeah. Have you, have you done anything on philosophy at all? Uh, yeah, that's basically, like all, that's most of what I study right now, It's philosophy. Are you doing Stoicism? No, 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 I just like the public library. Oh, you need to check out Stoicism, blimey. That's oh, really good. Stoicism's good. Their, their, their way of thinking, like, um, they, they believe, their, their outline is that, and this is quite, I think this is quite powerful. You've got nothing, you've got no control over nothing. You've got no control over your house, you're living in. Even your family, everyone can be taken away. Even you can be taken away at any point, any time. You've got no control. You've only got control over one thing, and that is your reaction to things. And that's it. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. That's that cool. So you bait, you've got, and that, and that, some of that forces you to kind of live in the, in the moment as well. Live in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just to, to be conscious of death kind of thing. Like, yeah, we're going to, yeah. Like, you could die at any moment. I love that. Um, yeah. That's the only thing you've got control over. But it's interesting they say about depression and anxiety, that depression is when you're stressed about the the past and anxiety is when you're stressed about the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's quite interesting as well. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and so- they also do, they do a good thing as well to start. It's called negative realisation, where you kind of, you, mean, you kind of, you do say like you do imagine. I mean, Touchwood doesn't happen. Someone you really love does pass away, like now. You really you think of it as if that happened, and then you appreciate them more when you see them next. You know what I mean? Right. They, yeah. That's quite powerful, and I think a lot of that is the basis. You know, um, cognitive therapy behavior or cognitive behavior therapy (CBT). Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's based on stoicism. Oh, really? That's cool. I can yeah. look at that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Do it. It's really good. Tim Ferriss does a lot. You know? Do you know Tim Ferriss? Um, very yeah, sorry. I've seen a little bit of Tim Ferriss, yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff with him. And um, also, the oh, one of his mates, he, he does a few books on it. Uh, one of them is the ego gets it, in the way of the ego or something. Um, oh, the, the, the enemy is the, or the ego is the, ego is the enemy. Ryan Holiday. Yeah, Ryan Holiday, yeah. I read, I read his book, The Obstacle is the Way. It was my first he's real very, thesis. He's very very stubborn. Yes, yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. But like he's really into his stories, though. He's really, really good, man. 
Have you, um, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, you should check that out, though, man. That's really good. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, I, I think, I think I would, I'm so glad we connected, man. Like, I, I'd love to stay in touch with you and, like, hear about your journey as you go along. I hope you don't mind me reaching out, asking you a few questions if I, uh, if I have any. No, yeah, I was going to say to you that. Listen, man, just get in contact any time. Don't worry about that. Okay, awesome. I'm glad because, like, it's, it's tough to, it's tough when you time, and I'll give you a hand with what I can. And just get on here and we'll have a chat on here if you're not sure, Summit. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. That was awesome. Big thanks to Gary for being on the show again. Just such a funny guy, lighthearted. Just, I'm a big fan of him. Anyways, huge thanks to him and a huge thanks to you for taking the time to listen. I'm so glad you took the time out of your day because it's showing that you're you're interested in learning something different. And um, I think that's pretty cool. So I appreciate the community that we are building together and I'm very pumped to put out more episodes and to meet more cool guys like Gary because he was awesome. Anyways, thank you guys so much and I'll see you next time.